15, but we did that last week. Unless you want to go over it again, we can. So, But we'll start chapter 16, Numbers. Bible's on the front platform, so grab one if you need one. Follow along, because we're going to try to cover a couple chapters here tonight. While you're making your way to the Old Testament, fourth book of the uh, Bible, book of Numbers, 16th chapter, just a couple things to pass along to you. And, um, and that is, remember, the baby bottle campaign. There are some bottles, baby bottles, as you see, uh, out there in the foyer area. And so grab one. That is a fundraiser for the Pregnancy Resource Center. So make sure that you take that and, um, and that you uh, fill it up with change and bring it back on Father's Day. That really helps them out. We've been doing that for them, for the Pregnancy Resource Center, as well as many other churches uh, here in town to help uh, with that important ministry. Also, uh, look at your bulletin, all the things that are taking place as uh, we have a lot going on. Pre-registration for Vacation Bible School, June 8th through the 11th. Safety in the Lord, and we should have some lots of extra flyers out to this weekend, so you can start handing those out and inviting kids to Vacation Bible School. If you pre-register your kids, it helps us in our planning purposes. Uh, we're going to have the Will County Sheriff's Office deputies out here talking to the kids about safety and doing demonstration with their dogs and the fire department and all that fun stuff that the kids really love to see and hear about. And also we'll be giving them, of course, the spiritual lessons about safety in the Lord, knowing God's word, abiding in Christ, all these things that uh, they need to know and, and get them uh, grounded in that. So um, look at your bulletin, all the things coming up, Vacation Bible School, be in prayer about that. Also, with summer coming up, I want to give you a heads up on a couple things. Number one is, is we're going to have a high school camp on July 20th through the 24th out at Camp Idrahaji. Um, and uh, we're going to have the whole camp to ourselves for the high schoolers. You know, it's a Monday through a Friday. And so we want to take the high schoolers out there. And uh, Pastor Jeff, who was here last week with us, with the students out there, said, uh, I said, how much? And he said, this camp is your camp. Um, so just bring some food and you can have the kitchen and cooking and stuff. So we got the bunkhouses there. We got uh, the chapel that's there. And we have the kitchen that's there and uh, everything that we need. We'll have the whole place to ourselves for the week. And uh, so it's a real opportunity to, to be with the kids to take them on a hike and, and just do Bible study. The Elk Mountains are there. The largest aspen grove is in that area um, by Crested Butte. You go over Kebler Pass, and there's Crested Butte right there. Very beautiful in the fall. Um, uh, there's um, some good fishing. Matter of fact, I want to teach... <laughs> I want to teach the kids how to fly fish, those who want to, who want to know. I, I might as well, since we're there, right? So, and, um, but the kids would really enjoy that. And, um, and so Barbara's going to teach the, the girls, and I'm going to teach the guys. And Barbara's a better fly fisherman than I am. So, and uh, we're really looking forward. And that's one of the things that Pastor Chuck uh, has done out in California with the youth camp out at Big Bears. He'd go out and spend time with the kids. And he talked to them about how God, you know, God's creation and how wonderful the Lord is and show them the consolations and just really spend some quality time with them. And there's no TV out there, no cell phones. They can't text their friends, none of those things. And so just to be able to focus on the Lord. We will need some help um, with cooking. So um, I could do the cooking, but probably the kids would appreciate if some of the parents came out and helped cook. And we have the kitchen, and that way we can keep, again, 
the cost down and, and be able to just minister to the kids. So, again, we'll get you more information on that. I'm really excited about it. I really am. And um, for the high schoolers to go up there and, and just be able to spend that Monday through Friday just with the Lord and, and learning about the things of the Lord and taking some hikes and having Bible studies up on the hillsides. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, and the, the fly fishing is secondary. It, it really is. So just getting away with the, with the kids is going to be great and, and sharing with them about things of the Lord. Numbers chapter 16. You should be there right now. And we do read, Now Kor, the son of Ishar, and the son of Koath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abram, the son of Eliab, and On, the son of Perleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. And they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them. And the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? And so, Father, we ask that tonight as we look at this important text, that we continue to see what happens when we harden our hearts and, Lord, when we have unbelief and we begin to murmur and complain. Lord, these lessons are written for us so that we don't make the same mistake. And you have a very important message for us tonight. And so I pray that as we come in after a long day, and this week perhaps has been long again, a time of the year when there's so much going on and there's things on our minds, I pray that we would just right now set that aside and just, Lord, help us to be attentive. Lord, help us to, to hear what it is that you want to say. And Lord, may we take heart to those things that we learn tonight because we know that this story is recorded in your word for us. And Lord, we know that we can have a tendency where we can begin to complain and murmur. We can begin to try to exalt ourselves above others and, and Lord, have a spirit of rebellion. And we pray that you would just show us the things again, how it is that you desire for us as children of God to be like our character and our conduct. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We know that the Old Testament tells you and I that out of the heart flows the issues of life. And it was Jesus himself that said, as the religious leaders came and were rebuking him and his disciples because they didn't do the specific ceremonial washing before they ate, and Jesus said, you hypocrites, don't you understand? It's not what goes into you that defiles a man, it's what comes out of you, because what comes out of you determines where your heart is at, or it, it, what comes out of you is, shows the abundance of the heart, as Jesus would say. And we know that as you move into James, his epistle, he talks a lot about the tongue and the things that are said and how it's uh, like a wildfire, that the things that you say can spread and begin to consume others and how much damage that the tongue can do. And, and we have seen that in the book of Numbers, two major themes here. One is how God has organized his people as he has brought them out of Egypt and into the wilderness and how he's organized them. And God is a God of decency and order and everything that he does. But also we have seen in Numbers, which covers about a time span of about 38 years, almost the entire wilderness wandering, we see why it was that they were out there for 38 years. God wanted to bring them into the promised land, and after he had brought them to the mountain of God, 
He'd made his covenant with them and given them the law of God. He had given them the ceremonial and religious and, and civil laws. And he made a covenant with them. And he would have them construct the tabernacle. And he said, there I'm going to meet with my people. The priestly ministry was established. And as we have seen in the book of Numbers, it would be the Levites that would come along and assist the priests in their ministry there at the tabernacle. So God has them organized, and he's going to take them into the promised land, and that was his desire to do that once the tabernacle was constructed, once uh, the Levites and the priests were consecrated unto the Lord for their ministry before the Lord. And we know that he would take them, as we saw in Numbers chapter 13 and 14, to the border of the promised land and said, go into the land, as Deuteronomy chapter 1 tells us, the land that I've set before you and, and possess the land that I'm giving to you. And we know that it would be at that point that they would send the spies in, didn't they? Twelve of them, two of those spies, Caleb and Joshua. And they came back carrying large grapes on a pole between two individuals. I think it was Joshua and Caleb that were carrying those grapes. And as they came back, they said, truly is the land flowing with milk and honey, a land of abundance we called where we got this cluster of grapes, Eskar, which means cluster. And so we see that as Joshua and Caleb were affirming God's truthfulness about the land was full of abundance and, and was a land full of uh, a good land flowing with milk and honey, that it was the ten spies that said that there's a problem, and that is there's giants that are in the land. Anakin is there, and the inhabitants are all over the place, and we're but grasshoppers in their sights, and the land's going to devour us. And we saw that it was the children of Israel that would then listen to those ten spies. It was Joshua and Caleb that were saying, listen, don't worry about the giants. We'll, we'll eat them up as bread. If the Lord is with us, then we don't need to fear them. And he's given us a promise, and that is to go in and take the land. And so let's go. But they said, no, we can't, because we are going to die in the land, and our little ones, we're going to die out here in the wilderness. And Moses, why did you bring us out here? And of course, as we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, even in our study of Hebrews, as we've seen that Hebrews talks about the rest that they did not enter into, referring back to Numbers chapters 13 and 14 that they didn't believe God and the sin of unbelief and the hardness of heart that takes place because of unbelief. And they didn't listen to the Lord or stand on his promises. And so the Lord said, because of your continued unbelief and disobedience, that this generation that came out of Egypt is going to die out there in the wilderness. And the little ones that you said are going to die in the land are actually going to see the land. They're the ones that are going to go in and possess the land. And so we have seen what takes place, first of all, when you begin to murmur and complain, I, I think murmuring and complaining comes out of a heart, again, out of the heart flows the issues of life. And when you have a heart that is hard towards the Lord, when you have a heart that is full of unbelief or doubting towards the Lord or murmuring towards the provision of the Lord, then you see that that murmuring and complaining will escalate to the point where there's a spirit of rebellion. And that's what we're continuing to see here with the children of Israel. And that's the reason why they would spend 40 years out there in the wilderness. They didn't have to. And it's really a tragic record of the history of God's people that they would spend that amount of time in the longest death march in the history of mankind doing laps around Mount Sinai. Matter of fact, we're going to see in a few chapters, it was at Kadesh that they said, we can't go into the promised land. And the Lord said, that's it. You're going to die out here. That we're going to see that once again, it's going to be at Kadesh 
that they're going to be complaining against the Lord again. And so here we see this, this attitude of heart that they have that has really had negative effects and serious consequences to God's people in their murmuring and complaining. Chapter 11, they came against Moses, murmuring, complaining against God's provision. And we saw important lessons in chapter 11, didn't we? That God heard their complaining, and it displeased the Lord. And we saw that the Lord dealt with them by sending a plague throughout the the children of Israel, throughout the camp. And we know that Moses would intercede on behalf of the people, but they were complaining, wanting meat. They were tired of the manna. And so not to go into it all again, it was an important lesson for you and for me again that we can get to the point sometimes in our own Christian lives that we begin to murmur against God's provision. And may we never do that because God has provided the very best, and that is his son who came to Calvary's cross and died for you and for me. He went willingly, he went freely. The Father gave his Son willingly and freely so that you and I can have forgiveness of sin and salvation in relationship with the Father. We have the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. We have the promises of God. And so God's provision is so good. And may we always have a heart of of thankfulness and gratitude. We see that theme throughout Scripture And, of course, we know that it is Paul the Apostle that would drive that theme home over and over again to rejoice in the Lord and to be full of the joy of the Lord and to have a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. Even in those times of being anxious, don't be anxious for anything, he would say to the Philippian believers, but through prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So they murmured and complained against the Lord. Then we saw that Moses' siblings there, Marion and Aaron, complained against Moses. And isn't it interesting that as we read here, verse 3, that is, here all of a sudden there are these individuals, Kor, the son of Issar, and we see that Dathan and Abram, some others, and 250 leaders of the congregation, they come against Moses, and Aaron is included this time, And they say, you take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? Now, does that sound very familiar? Of course it does. Chapter 12. You remember, it was Marion and Aaron that came against Moses. And at first, they came against Moses' wife. But you see, that was just a cover-up for their, their, you know, truly what was going on and that was they were complaining against Moses and it was Marion that was leading that complaining saying Moses you take too much upon yourself and we're holy too why do you exalt yourself above us and then of course in verse 3 of Numbers chapter 12 we see that it says that Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth and he he was he was a man that did his ministry in humility, and in obedience to the Lord. And we saw that the Lord came and rebuked Miriam, of course, would strike her with leprosy, but would say to Miriam and to Aaron that Moses has been faithful in all my house, and you should have feared when you began to complain against my servant Moses. So we saw how God felt about that rebellion against the one that God had put in place over the children of Israel. He had put in place a man of humility, and God does use that person who was humble before him. And Moses, of course, after 40 years of being in the wilderness, herding his father-in-law's sheep, would then see the burning bush, and he would stand before the Lord there on holy ground. And the Lord said, Moses, I want to send you to Pharaoh to free the children of Israel out of Egypt. And you recall what Moses said. He said, why me? Who am I that I should go and talk to Pharaoh? 
And we've seen that Moses is one, as in chapter 11, that was ready to give his resignation letter. Lord, I can't deal with this. And if I have to take the burdens of all the people, just kill me, Lord. And so Moses was never one that wanted to exalt himself above the people. Matter of fact, we've seen Moses clear back in the book of Exodus as they danced naked around the golden calf. And the Lord said, as Moses was up on the mountain receiving the law of God, the Lord said, Moses, that your people have sinned a great sin and stand back, I'm going to consume them. And Moses said, they're not my people, Lord, they're your people. And he interceded on behalf, and the Lord relented from his anger. And we've seen that again in the book of Numbers. And we're going to see it again as we continue on through these chapters. So here we see that the hearts of the children of Israel, they're murmuring, complaining, their unbelief, their hardness of hearts. And this spirit of rebellion and complaining against Moses is happening once again. It's being led by a man named Korah. He's a Levite. He's one of the Kohathites. And you recall that, again, as we've gone through the book of Numbers, that it was told back in Leviticus that, Aaron, you're going to be the high priest, and your descendants are going to be the ones who are going to be the priests, do the priestly ministry. So in the book of Leviticus, we saw how the Lord gave the priests their ministries before the Lord in the tabernacle. They did the offerings, the sacrifices. They ministered there in the tabernacle, and we saw their duties there. They were the only ones that were allowed in the tabernacle. And only Aaron, the high priest, would be allowed to go behind the veil into the inner sanctuary of the Holy of Holies. So we looked at all of that. It was the Levites that came alongside and assisted Aaron and his sons in the priestly ministry. They did not do the priestly ministry, even though Aaron and his sons were Levites. Again, to keep this straight, Every priest was a Levite, but not every Levite is a priest, okay? So we've seen in the book of Numbers that there were three families of the Levites, the Kohathites, uh, there were the Gershonites and the Maronites, and they each had their own specific duties in coming alongside Aaron and his sons, assisting them at the ministry before the Lord at the tabernacle. They were given specific duties, as we saw in chapters 3 and 4 of the book of Numbers, and it was the Kohathites, they were the ones that carried the furnishings. You remember that the tabernacle is, is a temporary structure. It was made to be able to be broken down. And so whenever that pillar of cloud moved, the children of Israel would break ranks, as we saw, orderly ranks, and the tabernacle would go down, and it was taken down in a very specific order. And it was the different families, the Kohathites, the Maronites, the Gershonites, the Gershonites took care of the, uh, the curtains and the veils. It was the Maronites that took care of the boards. It was the Kohathites that took care of the furnishings. And what happened was the priest would go into the tabernacle, cover up those furnishings, the shoe bread table, the altar of incense, the Ark of the Covenant. We know those furnishings from the book of Exodus had rings around them, and they would put poles through those rings that were on the corners of those furnishings. It was poles made of a wood lined with gold. And then they, the Levites would go into the tabernacle after the priests were done. And they wouldn't go in any sooner. And then they would, after the furnishings were covered up, they would go in and bear the furnishings on their shoulders. So this was the responsibility of Korah and his family. So here he is, a Levite. He, he is to carry the furnishings of the tabernacle. 
we see that Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab, and others, 250 leaders of the congregation come against Moses. Now, we saw in chapter 12 that it was just Marion and Aaron that came against Moses. Now we are seeing a full-blown rebellion, and we're going to see it's going to include the whole congregation coming against Moses. But here it seems to be led by this man, Korah. And he is somebody right now that is not satisfied with his ministry. And he wants to exalt himself to where he is becoming the high priest. He's challenging Aaron, as we're going to see in his high priestly ministry. So he is one that comes with this false humility. And that's what it is. It's a false humility, as we see in verse 3. And he says, listen, you guys take too much upon yourself. Again, accusing Moses of being self-serving and prideful. Moses was not self-serving. He was not prideful, the most humble man on the face of the earth. He was one that always sought the Lord and the will of the Lord in interceding on behalf of the people, and he had a heart for the people, hasn't he? Because how many times have we seen and we are going to see that the Lord said, Moses, stand back, and I'm going to consume this congregation. And Moses could have very easily said, okay, sounds good to me. Because I'm getting really tired of their complaining and murmuring. But it says always that Moses fell on his face. And he pleaded with the Lord. And that is one that has a pastor's heart and a shepherd's heart. He loved the people when they didn't love him. And it reminds me so much of Paul the Apostle when he was writing to the Corinthian church. As you really start to look at these churches that he established and he uh, ministered to as he went on his missionary journey, they all are unique and The church at Corinth, there was a lot of success that Paul had in Corinth in bringing the gospel there. But as the church was established, those Christians didn't treat Paul very well. And Paul wrote a letter to them in 2 Corinthians, and he says, The more that I love you guys, the less I am loved by you. And Paul continued to minister to them and give them truth. And they were accepting these so-called super apostles and prophets that, again, were putting Paul down, saying he isn't a real apostle, you need to listen to us because we're special, exalting themselves. That's really what's happening here. Here is Korah, and he is one with this false humility. Listen, every single one of you guys are holy. This guy over here, Moses, he exalts himself over us. And why do you take so much upon yourself, Moses and Aaron? We're holy too. The false humility that comes. And then we see that he's one, Korah, that knows how to play people. He knows how to play powerful people, influential people. But God knows and sees his motive. He sees right through this rebellion. And, and here we can imagine that there was a lot of whispering that was going on before they rose up. Notice they rose up before Aaron and Moses. And you know there was a whispering campaign against Moses and Aaron to get these 250 men, these others, and eventually the whole congregation to come against Moses and Aaron. Listen, folks, may we learn this. That this happens, of course, it can happen in the family, with relatives. It can happen in the workplace. It can happen in the church, and it does happen. That you get somebody that begins to, to, to put the boss down, begin to, to put down the supervisor or the owner of the business, and begins to, to say, if I was the boss, things would be different. And, and I'm holy too, or I'm smart, you know. And they begin to exalt themselves, and a whispering campaign goes on. Beware, don't get involved in that, because we're going to see what happens 
to these individuals that were involved. And it happens in churches as well and in ministries. That pastor, he doesn't know anything. If I was the pastor, things would be different. I'd really care for the people. I can't help but think about Absalom. Remember Absalom in First and um, I mean Second Samuel. David was the king of Israel, and and all of a sudden Absalom, the son of David, he was going through the streets of Jerusalem. He had fifty runners next to him, and he's in his chariot. He had a long flowing hair. He was a handsome man. The Bible says. And he would go early in the morning where the people had gathered, where they would eventually present their case before David and the judges to get a decision that would be made on their behalf. And it was Absalom that was there early in the morning that said, you know, if I was the king, I would really consider your case and you'd receive real justice and you'd see that I really care. See, I'm out here with you. And it says that Absalom eventually stole the hearts of the men of Israel to where the trumpets blew. And the men of Israel turned towards Absalom and it was a rebellion against David. And he usurped the throne of Israel. And David would flee Jerusalem rather than fighting his son Absalom. And knowing that blood would be spilled there in Jerusalem, he would go off into the wilderness with his choice men. And we know what happened to Absalom. He would end up being killed in battle. And whenever you see somebody begin to exalt themselves in a way where there's false humility, you see, we need to have discernment as Christians. And they begin a whispering campaign, and they're putting somebody else down. Know that, you know what, I know what the Bible says about this. I can go to Numbers chapter 16 and see how God feels about these kinds of things. So here is, as we know that Jude would write in the back of the Bible in the New Testament, this Korah being a picture of rebellion, starting this whispering campaign, having these influential individuals come. And so verse 4, so when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. Moses spent a lot of time on his face, didn't he? And he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will cause him to come near to him, that one whom he chooses he will cause to come near to him. Do this, take censers, Korah, and all your company. Put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. Is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to serve them. And so what we see here is we see Moses is on his face, and I believe that the Lord is speaking to Moses. And Moses is, is speaking to Korah. And, and you see a little bit of a change in Moses. He's going to defend himself, and he's going to stand firm in what God has confirmed back in chapter 12, that I've called Moses to this position and that he's been faithful in all my house. And Marion and Aaron, you should have feared when you came against my servant Moses. So Moses isn't doing this out of, out of arrogance. He's doing it out of humility and, and confidence that the Lord has put me in this ministry. And I got ministry to do. And Korah, you're going to find out that the Lord is not with you as he puts this challenge before them. Verse 10, and that he has brought you near to himself. As he's talking about you, you minister before the Lord at the tabernacle. Be thankful for that. Isn't that enough for you? You and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, verse 10, with you, and you're seeking the priesthood also. Therefore, you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? So we see once again that his Korah, I believe, he wants to be the high priest. 
He's not satisfied in being a Levite and carrying the furnishings. Maybe he thought it was too heavy or what? Too hard to work. But I tell you, it's not a good place to be. When we have envy, and it is envy that will begin to say in our hearts what they have, that possession, that position, I want, but you can't have it. And that's when envy begins to grow and it gets really ugly. And that's what Korah is doing. He's there probably carrying the Ark of the Covenant saying, man, I want what Aaron does. I want to go in to the Holy of Holies. What makes him so hot and so special? And he's murmuring and complaining and coming against Moses and Aaron. It's not enough for me to be a Levite. I want to be the high priest. And I'll tell you what, whenever we get to that place where we stop being thankful for where the Lord has us and the position that he has and what he's doing in our lives, and we begin to tear somebody down so we can exalt ourselves, you need to understand something. The Lord is not going to be in it, and the Lord's not going to bless it. And here we see what's going to happen to Korah in just a few verses. And it's not going to be pretty. And this is the mindset of Korah. And here we see, it's interesting, Moses says, we're going to see who God has called to be the priest, okay? To be the high priest. So burn incense and a censer, and that was, of course, a priestly duty to do that. So you guys, what you do is, if God has honored you, bring your censers and tomorrow, light them, and we'll see who it is that God has really made the priest or who he has set up to be the priest. Now, does this ring a bell with you? It does with me, Leviticus chapter 10. Remember, it was Nabat and Abihu that let lit their own censers with profane fire and they ran into the tabernacle and God consumed them with fire. Here we're going to see that these guys are going to light their censers and guess what's going to happen to them. The priests were to light their censers from the altar of sacrifice there in their outer courtyard as we have seen. And I'll tell you what, that altar of sacrifice is a picture of, points to, speaks of, Jesus who went to the cross for you and for me. And you and I are to be a light of the world and to have the countenance of the Lord shining through us. But it all goes back to, Lord, I serve you because of what you did for me. And it was Nabat and Abihu back in Leviticus chapter 10 that was trying to take the glory of the Lord for themselves as they ran into the tabernacle offering profane fire. They lit their own censers. And here are these guys trying to get the glory for themselves, exalt themselves. Oh, they'll come with this false humility. I'm concerned for the people. And Moses and Aaron are exalting themselves over us. But they're trying to get the glory for themselves. And Isaiah tells us that God will not share his glory with any man or any woman. So you guys want to be priests? Okay, we'll see tomorrow who God says they're the priest. Because Moses has confidence that God's word is true. And that he has said to Moses that Aaron and his sons are going to be the priestly ministry. And so uh, you guys are going to find out who God has called his priests. So verse 12, Moses sent and called Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab. But they said, we will not come up. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, that you should keep acting like a prince over us? Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with milk and honey, nor given us the inheritance of the fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. So here is Moses calling for Dathan and Abram. He's going to deal with them, but they're not going to come up. So they begin to, you know, 
bark at Moses and spout out and say, you know what, Moses, it's your fault that we're out here in the wilderness. And you didn't bring us into the promised land. And you haven't given us our inheritance. And you're acting like a prince over us. And you can see how warped their perspective is, isn't it? And that's what happens when you have a rebellious spirit and a hardness of heart towards the things of God and and you lose that humility. Your perspective, when you are desiring to exalt yourself and get what you want and become self-serving, your perspective becomes all warped, and it does here. They didn't go into the promised land because of disobedience and unbelief. God wanted them to go into the promised land. He said, go. And it wasn't Moses that made the decree that the generation was going to die out in the wilderness. It was the Lord that said so. So here the perspective is all wrong. We're not going to come up because you're just going to pluck our eyes out. And so verse 15, then Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. And Moses said to Korah, tomorrow you and all your company be present before the Lord, you and they as well as Aaron. In verse 16, or verse 17, let each take a censer and put incense in it. And each of you bring his censer before the Lord, 250 censers, both you and Aaron, each with his censer. So every man took a censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and stood at the door of the tabernacle meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them, verse 19, all the congregation against them. At the door of the tabernacle meeting, then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. So Moses reinstating this challenge. He's going to let the Lord handle this again, burning incense to see if God will honor it. And if you're ready for a shootout, folks, with somebody, if you're ready for a shootout, you better be looking at God's word to see what he has to say about it. You see, I can't help think about David. David was anointed the king of Israel as it was Samuel that came to Jesse's house in Bethlehem. Went through all his sons and God had rejected Saul as the first king of Israel because Saul's disobedience. And and we know that it was all the sons that went and passed before Samuel. And Samuel at first thought that the eldest son of Jesse was going to be the king. And the Lord said, no, no, don't look at the outward appearance. But I see the heart. And as all the sons passed by, it was Samuel that was confused, and he said, Jesse, you got any more sons? Yeah, the little one, the youngest, David. He's out with the sheep. And David was a young lad at that time that had a heart for the Lord, a man after God's own heart, the Scripture says. And he was anointed king, but you didn't see David, this young man, walk up to Saul when he was on his throne and throw him off the throne and say, I'm the king of Israel now. God has anointed me. David would go and serve Saul. And Saul, he was not a nice guy. He was one that threw spears at David and pursued him in the wilderness for about 13 years. Now, I know that some of you, perhaps you've had family members, or maybe you've had a supervisor or boss, or maybe there's a ministry leader that took advantage of his position and and try to lord over the people. I know those things can take place. And it became a real problem and a headache. And, but I can't help but think how David handled it. I doubt if any of us have been pursued in the wilderness for 13 years, somebody trying to take our lives. 
But it was David that had opportunity twice to lop off the head of Saul, and he didn't. And he said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. And what David was saying in that is that I'm going to trust the Lord, that the Lord put Saul in that position, and the Lord's going to take him out of that position when the time comes, and the Lord did. And you see, there's an element when you face somebody who's very difficult that perhaps the Lord has put in a position in leadership or over you in, in the company you work for, whatever it might be. And, and it is hard and it's difficult that you turn to the Lord and say, Lord, that this is hard and difficult. You can tell him and you give it to the Lord and allow the Lord to do it. But you deal with it in a godly way. You see, you don't let others determine how it is that you react. You let the Lord determine how you react. And that's for every instance that we have. That, that, oh, I got angry because he's such a jerk and I lost my cool or whatever. Or, Lord, I, I went along with everybody at work because everybody's doing it and you go along with the whispering campaign or you, whatever it might be. Don't let others determine how it is that you react. And one of the things that really comes across to me here is how one man's rebellion and bitterness and envy affects a whole lot of people. He drags the whole congregation, as we read here in verse 19. He gathered the whole congregation against them because of one man's self-serving, you know, and, and very greedy and trying to self-promote himself and manipulating people, how many people he's going to drag into this. And that's why we need to be discerning. And that's why when we find ourselves in the temptation is, I'm going to enter into the gossip. I'm going to enter into this plot. I'm going to do whatever. That we as Christians are to be different. And we are to say, Lord, you put that person in that position or whatever, I'm going to allow you to deal with it. And there are guidelines given to us in how to deal with certain people and situations that we need to know. But we need to move on. Verse 20, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, Separate yourselves from among the congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation. So again, they're kind of pointing their fingers here at Korah. One man sin, dragging the whole congregation, interceding again as we see for the people. So here we see that they again... Um, are, are coming and complaining against Mo, uh, the Lord, and the Lord is going to deal with them, and it's not going to be pretty, verse 23. So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the congregation, saying, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abraham. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abraham, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abraham. And Dathan and Abraham came out and stood at the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. Moses was saying, Listen, I am not the leader of the children of Israel. I have not put Aaron in as high priest. I have not done any of these things. Of my own will, I have done it because the Lord has called me to do it, and he's called Aaron to be the high priest, and he's called his descendants to be the priests. I'm not being self-serving. And so, verse 29, if these men who are being self-serving die naturally like all men, or if they're visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. In other words, if God doesn't deal with this, then, you know, I haven't been sent. 
But, verse 30, if the Lord creates a new thing and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive in a pit, then you will have understand that these men have rejected the Lord. You see, it wasn't that they were coming against Moses. Ultimately, they were coming against the Lord. And we need to remember that. If we come against somebody that God has put in a position and we are rebelling in that spirit of rebellion and we are causing others to follow along and we're trying to exalt ourselves and we're gossiping and all of this, trying to put them down, that you are ultimately coming against the Lord because the Lord has put them in that position. In verse 31, now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up and their households and all these men with Korah with all their goods. So they and all those who were with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them and they perished from among the assembly. And then all of Israel who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. (laughs) One way to find yourself in the pit, one way to find yourself being swallowed up, is you have the spirit of rebellion a spirit of rebellion against those God has chosen and against others. And it's kind of interesting that as you read this, you think, man, this is hard. I can see it happening to Korah and Dathan and them, but their wives and their kids? It's pretty harsh. But may we understand something, folks, and that is when you sin, it's not just about you. It affects a whole lot of people. You, the leader of your home, moms and dads, when you sin, it affects a whole lot of people, your children. If you are in a position that where you're overseeing people at work or you belong to a place where there's a lot of people around you and you begin to sin, see, it's not just about you. It affects a whole lot of people, however they are linked to you in your life. It was in the book of Joshua that as the children of Israel came into the promised land and they went against Jericho, you know the story. And they had great victory and the walls fell. But before that happened, the Lord told Joshua, tell the children of Israel that when you go in to take the spoils, that the first fruits belong to me. Don't take any idols. Don't hide anything. It belongs to me. And then after this, you're going to have the spoils, which are going to be in abundance. So Joshua told the children of Israel they had victory. Well, the next battle after Jericho, which was a huge victory and it had huge walls, the Lord did the work in giving them the victory. Joshua sends about 3,000 men up to a little village called Ai. Ai means small. And these guys come back with their tails between their legs being whipped by those guys in Ai. And so Joshua cries out to the Lord, what is going on? Why were we defeated? And the Lord said, Joshua, there's sin in the camp. You need to deal with it. And so Joshua called the children of Israel all together, and, and the Lord directed them to where he came to one tribe and then one family, the family of Achan. And Achan came out, and he admitted, you know what? When I was in Babylon, I saw this Babylonian garment and, and these idols made of gold, and I hid them. And so it was Joshua and the children of Israel that took Achan out and his family and his children and stoned them. Particularly moms and dads, if you sin, it affects a whole lot of people, your children, the people around you. 
And that's one of the things that I tell the guys, and I'm reminded of myself. They see, as the leader of this church, if I fall into sin, it affects a whole lot of people. It's not just about me. But it's about the people that I minister to that get hurt. If I desire to be self-serving, prideful, exalting myself, fall into sin, whatever it is. And that's why we need to be humble before the Lord and say, Lord, you put me in this position, which means responsibility and accountability. And I need your help, Lord. Keep me in the right place, in the right heart. So here they get swallowed up and the 250 guys consumed with fire. And so the Lord spoke to Moses in verse 36 saying, Tell Eleazar and the son of Aaron, the priest, to pick up the censers out of the blaze, for they are holy and scattered the fire some distance away. And the censers of these men who sinned against their own souls, let them be made into hammered plates as a covering for the altar, because they presented them before the Lord before they are holy, and they shall be assigned to the children of Israel. So Eleazar, the priest, took the bronze censers, which they who had burned up and presented, and they hammered out as a covering on the altar. It is to be a memorial to the children of Israel that no outsider who is not a descendant of Aaron should come near to offer incense before the Lord that he might not become like Korah and his companions, just as the Lord has said to him through their Mo- to, to him through Moses. So the censers that were there, these 250 men, would be hammered out. It would be a covering over the altar. Just kind of a little side note. If any of you ever find, you know how you go through history books or you go through where they show the tabernacle and the models of the tabernacle and the altar out there, if you ever find one that has this covering on, let me know because I've never seen one. It's always with the covering off. But a little side note. So this covering was made over to remind the people about this rebellion and what had happened. So again, hammered out is a covering over the altar, remembering what has happened that these guys who wanted the priestly ministry were not called to it. I can't help but think again what happened to Uzziah, Second Chronicles chapter 26. Uzziah was a great king. He was a great leader. He, he was one that led the house of Judah into economic prosperity and military victory. He was very capable. He was very articulate. He was one that was an inventor of military weaponry. And he reigned for many years. And at the end of his life, he became prideful. At one time, he's relying on the Lord and humble before the Lord. At the end of his life, he goes into the temple there, Solomon's temple, and he burns incense. That was the ministry of the priest. And the priest came in and said, you know, Uzziah, we know that you're a good king, but you're not supposed to be doing that. That's the ministry of the priest. And Uzziah said, bug off, I'm going to do it anyway. And the Lord struck him with leprosy. Again, pride and arrogance and a spirit of rebellion against what God has declared. And so very important lessons for us. What happens, getting eaten up and and getting swallowed up and in a pit, that's the way you're going to feel because God is not going to bless your efforts if you have a spirit of rebellion and a hardness of heart. And so here, verse 41, the next day the all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. Aren't they something? These people are amazing, aren't they? But again, that's what happens when you have a hardness of heart towards the Lord, a spirit of rebellion. And, and perhaps you've seen this. Having you seen it, I'm sure that most of us have, in a family member or somebody at work, I, or even somebody in the church, that it's all your fault. 
then I'm going through the consequences that I'm going through. It's everybody else's fault, not wanting to take the responsibility themselves. And sometimes when people come and say, it's your fault, or it's because of this, or whatever it is, it really is indicative of what they are going through spiritually that is lacking in their lives, or just a warped perspective, or a hardness of heart, a spirit of rebellion. It has nothing to do with you. And here is Moses, and I can imagine Moses is thinking, did I open up the earth? swallow them up? Did I call down fire from heaven to consume those guys? This is amazing. So verse 42, now it happened and the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned towards the tabernacle meeting and suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. And then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle meeting and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, get away from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. So once again, we see that Moses is going to intercede on behalf of the people as the Lord sees their rebellion and as he sees their disobedience. He says, I'm going to consume this congregation. So Moses, verse 46, said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it, take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them, for wrath uh, has gone out from the Lord the plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly. And already the plague had begun among the people. So he put the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700 besides those who died in Korah incident. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle meeting, for the plague had stopped. So here we see Moses and Aaron intercede on behalf of the people. What you're today is, is take your censer that you were to light on the altar and go out through the congregation and make atonement for them. Because Aaron, you're going to stand. You're going to stand between the dead and the living. We're going to see in the study of Hebrews as we continue on that Jesus is our great high priest, greater than Aaron ever was. And that he made a sacrifice for you and for me once and for all. And now we live as he made atonement for our sins. So we look to him. And he intercedes for us now as he sits at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for you and for me. And remember that when you are dealing with people, when you're dealing with difficult situations, that you have the Lord that is in your life. And may we allow the Lord again, if anything, tonight, get this, to determine how it is you're going to react and honor Him and how you react to others. And know this, that He'll see through the false humility. He sees through the agendas that you have or trying to be self-serving, all those things. So Lord, search me and try me. And Lord, whatever the situation is, I know Your Word will guide me. I know Your Spirit will empower me. And Lord, that You will be the one that will take care of the situation. And I thank you that you died for me. I'm in this place where you have me. And Lord, while I am here, may I honor you, not rebel against you or against others. And may the people around you see how you're trusting in the Lord and resting in him and looking to him in those situations. May that be a witness to them. May we honor him in our relationships, decisions that we make, difficult situations that we face in everything that we do. Lord, you determine how it is I'm going to react, but not with the spirit of rebellion, not with the hardness of heart, not with disbelief and unbelief in my heart, but Lord, trusting in you and looking to you and Lord, allowing you to work in your time and how you want to. Well, 
Chapter 17 really goes along with chapter 16, but we're going to end it right there, and we'll pick it up in chapter 17. And Father, we thank you for these lessons that we learned tonight, and so important for us. Lord, I, I pray for all of us that